welcome back to Tiny Green Chats. I'm your host, Kate Dillion, and I'm here again with my co-host, Jazz Jackson. Today, we're here to welcome very special guest, Alice Volpita, who is the Baltimore Harbor Waterkeeper at Blue Water Baltimore. So, Alice, we're so happy to have you with us. If you just want to tell us a little bit about yourself and like your journey, what it is that you do? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here talking with you. Um, so as the Baltimore Harbor waterkeeper, my role is to protect and restore the local waterways that flow within the Patapsco and back rivers. So um, basically all of the waterways around the Baltimore region, um, we are part of the International Waterkeeper Alliance, which is a group of over 350 water watchdogs all around the world. Um, and Blue Water Baltimore takes a holistic view to all of the issues surrounding water quality. And I'm part of that amazing, vibrant team. That sounds great. So yeah, so what is Blue Water Baltimore exactly? And like your organization mission statement? So Blue Water Baltimore is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Um, we, we are headquartered in Remington in Baltimore City. Um, the thing that makes Blue Water Baltimore unique is that like other watershed organizations, we're not just bound by um, political jurisdictions. So we do a lot of work within Baltimore County, all the way down to Anne Arundel County. Uh, we do work in the Patapsco and Back River watersheds, like I said, and that's really broken up into the Jones Falls, Gwynn's Falls, Direct Harbor, and Herring Run watersheds. Um, so we do everything from tree plantings to really get um, more tree canopy within the city. We do educational outreach to teach people about the urban water cycle and what happens with stormwater and unfortunately sewage in, in our pipe systems. Um, and a big piece of what I do is make sure that um, facilities and companies that have licenses to pollute through the Maryland Department of the Environment, that they're following um, the regulations that are already set in place. And I make sure that the regulators are keeping an eye on um, polluters and really tracking water quality, making sure that we are overall moving towards a healthier ecosystem for both um, animals, fish, people, everybody within the watersheds. Right. And do you think you can go a little bit into what watersheds are? Absolutely. That's a really great question. Um, we do a lot of educational outreach with kids, adults. And one of the very first things I ask people is, how many of you in the room live in a watershed? And you might be surprised that um, not very many people usually raise their hands because a lot of people think watershed, that means I have to be able to see the water. Um, but a watershed is every piece of land that drains into a single water body. So no matter where you are over the entire world, you're always in a watershed. So if you ask that question in a room of people, everybody should be raising their hands. Um, so it's all the land that drains to a specific water body. The crazy thing is, you know, in, in a really urbanized system like in Baltimore City, the thing you really need to remember is it's not just natural water bodies, it's also our piped water bodies. So it's our piped stormwater system. It's the way that water moves across the landscape. So in Baltimore, we like to say that our streets are our streams. And that means that everything within the street, um, all of the fertilizers, the oil, especially the trash that's making its way into the storm drains in a street, it's all moving through the system and being deposited right into the stream nearby. And in Baltimore, often that means going into the inner harbor. Going off a little bit on that, do you think you could talk a little bit more on the specifics of like sewage backups and like the danger that comes along with it? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the top four pollutants that are really facing our local waterways are trash, polluted stormwater runoff, sewage overflows, and toxics. And in Baltimore City, we have a particularly bad problem with sewage overflows and sewage backups into people's homes. 
And a big part of the reason why we have that problem is because we have a separate stormwater and a separate sewer system. So they're supposed to be separated systems, but we have one of the oldest systems in the entire country. So, you know, back in 1904, when those pipes were laid for the very first time, we were cutting edge. We were, you know, top of the game. But after over 100 years of chronic disinvestment in those pipes and, you know, not maintaining them the way that they're supposed to be, they've begun to break down. So the actual pipes themselves are crumbling, they're cracking, and the liquid in the pipes starts to flow in between the pipe systems when it's not supposed to. So we have a sewer system that gets full of rain. And so every time you get a big rain event, just like we had yesterday here in Baltimore City, you get sewage overflows. And unfortunately, you also get sewage backups into your home if you're unlucky enough for that to happen. Okay, um, I'm just uh, want to piggyback off that question. Um, I know Blue Water Baltimore is doing a lot to kind of counter these things that are going on. But if you could name like one of the solutions or one of the things that you guys work on to kind of deter some of the damage that's going on with what you just named. Yeah, so, um, you know, we take a holistic view to all of these issues. So we kind of have our hands in everything. I'll say that for sewage in particular, Blue Water Baltimore is the only plaintiff intervener into the modified consent decree, which is the legal agreement that Baltimore City has with MDE and the federal EPA to stop sewage overflows into our local waterways. And one of the things that we were able to do as a process of being an intervener in that legal agreement was getting a more comprehensive system for, for the city to help people experiencing sewage backups into their homes. So now if you have a sewage backup in your house on a very rainy day, um, you can call the city and apply for the expedited reimbursement program, which they, the city will pay up to $5,000 to help you recoup the costs of um, cleaning up and disinfecting your interior spaces that have been soiled by a sewage overflow, or sorry, a sewage backup. And the really exciting news is that earlier this week, um, the city just launched their sewage onsite support program, which is SOS program. And that means that not only will the city reimburse you for your costs, they'll actually send a contractor to your house to suck out the sewage and disinfect the spaces inside your home if your sewage backup has been caused by a verified wet weather event. So you can find more information on Baltimore City DPW's website about that. Um, but we're really, really excited that this is a piece of advocacy. We've been moving forward for years and we're finally starting to see some real momentum. Could you talk a little bit more about the City Council investigative hearing on sewage backups that happened on March 24th? Yeah, so yesterday we had um, an investigative hearing on sewage backups in City Council. And this is something that Councilman Burnett has been championing for several years now. And um, we were delighted to learn just before that hearing that um, the city would be rolling out this SOS program. And we're so excited that this program is you know, finally here for Baltimore City residents, but there's a lot of ways that the program could be even stronger. So what I would really like to see is a program that is operating rain or shine. So we shouldn't just be reimbursing people or we shouldn't just be helping people with sewage backups in rainy weather. We should be doing it when people experience a sewage backup in their homes for any reason. So whether it's a blockage in the main line or a collapsed mainline pipe, all of these are reasons why people have sewage backups into their homes through no fault of their own. And yet the concept of sewage backups, it's still traumatic, it's steeped in shame. It's something that people don't wanna talk about, but we have the ability to really help people here. Yes, and that's all really important. 
I actually saw on your website that there was something called the consent decree having to do with the sewage overflow in Baltimore City. And I was just wondering if this decree had any relation to the event that just happened or any other legislation that you have all gone through. It does, yeah. So the modified consent decree um, is a continuation of the original consent decree that Baltimore City entered into back in 2002. The original deadline for that agreement was supposed to be 2016. So by that time, we were supposed to be completely finished with sewage overflows into our local waterways, but that didn't happen. So we entered into a modified consent decree. And as a product of that new agreement, because of Blue Water Baltimore's involvement, we were able to advocate for the expedited reimbursement program for sewage backups, which is this financial assistance program for people experiencing wet weather sewage backups into their homes. This new program, the SOS program, is an expansion and pilot program off of that. So there's a lot of different types of programs um, as we've been moving along, but we're also figuring out what to do as we go. Um, there's, there's some roadmaps available from other cities dealing with this same type of uh, problem over time, like in Cincinnati and in Washington, DC. We're not the only ones dealing with this problem, but we're figuring out how to implement the solutions that work for Baltimore residents over time. Yes, and I think it's important to reiterate that this is a social justice issue. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more on that and also what you believe the impact that Blue Water Baltimore has had on Baltimore City. So one of the really interesting and terrible things that we've been able to parse out from looking at the data about sewage backups is that people who live in neighborhoods with higher percentages of Black residents are actually more likely to experience a sewage backup than people who live in whiter neighborhoods. So that literally means that in Baltimore City, as a Black person, you are more likely to experience a sewage backup. And that's just not acceptable. And we don't know the exact mechanics of why that's happening. Is it because some people are reporting sewage backups more? Is it because certain types of homes are experiencing them more? We don't know what the mechanics are behind what's happening here, but we know it's happening. And we know that we need to address it as a systemic problem. And we need to treat it as the equity and public health crisis that it really is. That is a really nice um, actually segue into my question. And as you were talking, I was thinking, um, you know, I don't really think about, well, I, I think about the things, but like one of the things that popped up in my head, maybe redlining or something like that may contribute to it as well. But I'm sure like city planning and things like that go into it. But one of my questions were, we, I was looking on your site and um, you guys were celebrating Black History Month. And I saw that you also partner with um, Baltimore Tree Trust and like some other Black organizations, or at, at least I think that's what I read. And if you can go into some of the um, partnerships that you have in the Baltimore community and highlighting some of the um, Black um, partnerships, if you will. Sure. So you're absolutely right. Um, one of the problems in Baltimore City is that historic redlining has caused chronic disinvestment in certain neighborhoods, and it's caused certain neighborhoods especially black neighborhoods, not to have access to these same types of environmental projects and greening um, and open spaces as other neighborhoods have had over time. So we rely very strongly on our partnerships. Um, we have partnerships with Interfaith Partners for the Chesapeake, um, the BEEP Coalition, um, as you mentioned, Baltimore Tree Trust. We have so many partnerships that we truly rely on in order to both have a greater impact throughout the entire city, but to tie East and West together. Um, that's a big part of what we're trying to do is help people understand that these are all common waterways and we need to really come together to implement long-term holistic solutions that will work not just today, but in the future. You know, in Baltimore City, we're experiencing climate change just like the rest of the world. 
And what's that is going to result in is more intense, heavier rainstorms over time. So what we're going to see in the future is uh, more sewage overflows, more polluted stormwater runoff until we decide as a society that we need to prioritize the green and gray infrastructure projects in the ground to really get a handle on our sewage, stormwater, toxic, and trash problems. Absolutely. And going a little bit off of that, are there any particular projects that you're proud of or that you would like to share? Um, I will say that one of the things I'm most proud of is this project we have called the Outfall Screening Blitz Project. And that's where we take volunteers into streams. We give them a pair of waders um, and we walk in the stream with them. And we look for stormwater outfalls that are discharging pollution into our local waterways. So this is a way of connecting people with their local waterways when a lot of people have no idea that there's streams right in their own backyard um, or you know, down the culvert in their streets. Um, and it also measurably reduces pollution because we're looking for things like um, sewer leaks. We're looking for illegal discharges. We're looking for um, all the stuff that is entering our waterways but shouldn't. So we're measurably making a difference and reducing those sources of pollution immediately. It's so satisfying and we see the craziest things out in our local urban streams. It's really, it's wild. I've seen like goldfish in our streams that must have been dumped there by little kids who didn't want their goldfish anymore. I've seen pieces of jewelry down in the streams. We've gotten flushed on um, from these pipes in, in the streams. It's gross and amazing and you really get an opportunity to, to see Baltimore from a completely different point of view. As we wrap up, um, we'd like to give our listeners a key takeaway, um, something that our guest speaker really wants them to uh, just like have and uh, something that, that will stick with them. So like what's one thing or two things that you'd like for them to um, remember um, from this podcast episode? As a waterkeeper, um, part of my job is to receive pollution reports from our community members throughout our entire watershed jurisdiction. So if you go to Blue Water Baltimore's website, um, at the very top of every single page on our site, you can click a link that says report pollution. And if you see something out in your streams, if you see something in your neighborhood, um, and there's a possibility that it could cause some kind of waterway impact, um, you know, it, it ranges everything from fish kills, algae blooms, sewage overflows, illegal dumping, anything. If you see anything like that, you can always report it to us and we'll make sure that it gets to the right agency. And if the agency isn't taking care of it, then we can take legal action against polluters. If you reach out to us and you let us know about something happening in your street or in your stream, we can be your primary point of contact and help you through that process. That's great. And if I'm remembering correctly, you had said that Blue Water Baltimore is also part of a larger organization called the Blue Water Alliance. So Blue Water Baltimore is a waterkeeper organization and that means that we're a member of the Global Waterkeeper Alliance. There's over 350 waterkeepers all around the world, and we're kind of like the water watchdogs of the entire world. Great. So yeah, even if you're not in the Baltimore area, there are many resources out there that you can look at, and there's a lot of organizations that you could potentially connect with and reach out to if you are looking to help. On a final note, Alice, if you want to just tell us where we may be able to find Blue Water Baltimore and how we can connect with you. If you go online to www.bluewaterbaltimore.org, we have all the information about our upcoming events on our events calendar. You can also check out water quality readings for a stream or river near you if you go to www.howsthewaterhun.org. 
Um, and we have a full website with um, all the different water quality measurements we take. So you can figure out how healthy or sick your local waterway really is. That's amazing. Um, and thank you for that. Cause I know it's a lot of, uh, some of our listeners are actually um, outside of Maryland. So thank you for that. And um, thank you for um, being on the today's show on today's episode. And um, if you guys have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us. Thank you so much, Alice. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Hey everyone. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. Please feel free to check out and utilize the resources provided by Alice and Blue Water Baltimore and stay connected with them at their listed socials and website. In terms of Tiny Green Chats, we release a new episode every Thursday for Tiny Chat Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So follow us, subscribe, and turn on the notification bell to stay updated with the latest news and information regarding the environment. We are at Tiny Green Chat, no S on Instagram, and at Tiny Green Chats everywhere else. Please feel free to email tinygreenchats at gmail.com with any questions or inquiries. Thanks again and see you next time.